0: This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. Thanks, Rich. It's great to be together, isn't it? Have a good look around the room. Nice full full room this morning. Some um, new faces. We're really blessed to see you. And um, you might think I've lost the plot Where I, when I asked you to turn this morning to somewhere I've never asked you to turn in the Bible before. If you would turn with me, please, to the blank page between the Old Testament and the New Testament. <laughs> turn to that blank page and uh, have a look at it. I assume your Bible has a blank page. This, this, can I just say, this is further proof that you need to bring a proper Bible to the meetings. Put those screens away. Bring a Bible. I'm only half joking. Bring a Bible. You might want to make a note in it. You might want to look something up in a concordance. You might want to check the maps out, but you might want to turn to that blank page between the Old and the New Testament and have a look at it and tell me what you see. The end of the Old and the start of the New is what Pauline sees. I like that. Good. You have no blank page. But there's a sense of something's about to continue. Okay. Okay. Don't be shy. It's not a trick question. Somebody sees nothing. Has a, a leaf on it. Okay, that's nice. God's going to do a new thing. Well, you, you can see all those things. i tell you what I see. I see um, a blank canvas and a new year that is full of immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Um, and I think a blank canvas plus an omnipotent, limitless God must mean that there's the realistic possibility that this year anything can happen Amen. in our church. Amen. Um, we're not looking into... Uh, Something that's completely unknown. We're looking into a year of favor. We're looking into numerous yet-to-happen miracles. Numerous provisions of God waiting to be provided. Numerous breakthroughs, salvations, healings. We're looking forward, and we have a blank canvas, and I'll come back to that in a moment, to the amazing, awesome things that God wants to bring about this year. And um, although Matthew comes next, actually the first gospel written was Mark. Mark is the earliest gospel. And if you turn to Mark now, because it is as if Mark starts with a blank canvas and um, an omnipotent, limitless God and displays for us and, and shares with us and paints a picture for us of the things that can realistically happen with a blank canvas and an unlimited, powerful God. We're going to read Mark 1 together, and uh, I want you to see how Mark starts to fill in the canvas, how Mark starts to fill in the blank, how Mark starts to describe for us What can happen when we are confronted with a God who is without limit? So we'll read Mark 1 together. It's quite a long chapter, um, but here we go. I'm reading from the Holman. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He was preaching, someone more powerful than I will come after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. And as He came up, as soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending to him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, I take delight in you. Immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels began to serve him. After, Jesus was, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As he was passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. And they were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And then they went into Capernaum. And right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. And they were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. And just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus, Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. And then they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John, and Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And when evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all those who were sick and those who were demon possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And he was praying there. Simon and his companions went searching for him. And they found him and said, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I've come. So he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And then a man with a serious skin disease came to him. And on his knees he begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. And immediately the disease left him and he was healed. And then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news, with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he was out in deserted places, and they would come to him from everywhere. There's so much action in there, isn't there? 45 action-packed verses. John prepares the way. Jesus is baptised and the Holy Spirit comes to him. Jesus is sent into the wilderness and tempted. John is arrested. Jesus begins preaching. Simon and Andrew follow Jesus. James and John follow Jesus. Jesus teaches with great authority. Jesus frees the man with the unclean spirit. His fame spreads throughout Galilee. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus heals and delivers the whole town. Jesus prays in a deserted place, Jesus moves to the other villages, Jesus heals a leper, people come to Jesus from everywhere. And what we have here is an explosion of good news. A gospel explosion. Mark starts with a blank canvas. He takes up that blank page, as it were, between the Old and the New Testaments, He starts with a blank canvas and with a limitless God and he tells the story in his own fast-paced, breathtaking way. And soon the blank canvas begins to be filled in with huge, vibrant, full-color images, pictures, stories of good news, of what happens when the Gospel is unleashed, life in all its fullness, this chapter, this whole book, this whole Gospel, this whole New Testament is an explosion of life. we just got to look at the people. We've got to hear the sounds. We've got to get, get a sense of the sights and the textures that are depicted. We've got to look at the background and look at the detail in the foreground. It's a picture of good news invading the towns and villages, reaching the marginalized, rescuing the dying, restoring the broken, redeeming the multitudes. And if I could say this, folks, this picture for us is nothing less than a portrait of what God wants Living Rock Church to look like in 2016. This is to be a portrait of us this year. We're going to be... Spending much time in Mark this year. Richard will be doing a, a, a more of, a, of an introduction to the book next week. But I'd like us just to, to look at this first chapter. I'd like you to, as it were, come a bit closer. Come closer. Have a good look. Because there's some really key things in here that I believe we've got to take note of for this year ahead. The first is this. The good news is preceded by a word. Go right back to the beginning, Mark one. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's, there's a parallel there between Genesis one one. In the beginning, in the beginning. I know. I think the New Living Translation doesn't put it quite like that, but the New International also talks about the beginning of the gospel. This is the beginning of the gospel. and Mark wants us to know how it all started. Mark wants to take us right back to the beginning. And, and the beginning of the gospel, according to Mark, is a prophetic word. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Or in the New Living it says, it began just as the prophet had announced had written the good news, the gospel is announced in advance and preceded by a word if you, if you had a look in Matthew's gospel, which we won't do today you'll see that again and again and again Matthew is explaining that things that happened happened to fulfill what was written in Genesis 1-1 the, the spirit is hovering over the deep And then God speaks a word. And the Spirit, as it were, goes to work to fulfill the word that's been spoken. The word and the Spirit are in action together. The Spirit is moving to fulfill the word that's been spoken. The Spirit is present. And that which is conceived in the heart of the Father is brought to fulfilment by the action of the Spirit, but first, a word is spoken. And I think there's two ways of looking at this. And When when you read Matthew's Gospel, um, he so frequently says, this happened to fulfil, that you get the sense, almost, that the action is taking place in order to fulfil the word that came. That the events fulfill the prophecies of course that is the case but but it's also as if the events depend upon the prophecies I believe that's true either way the word comes first the beginning of the good news is a prophetic word and i wonder how often the holy spirit is restricted in his activity because He's waiting for a word to be spoken by us. I want to ask you this year will you stir up your prophetic spirit? Will you give God, as it were, something to work into? Will you go into your quiet place and ask God to speak? Will you ask the Lord to show you what's in his heart to do? Will you wait on God until your spirit is stirred? And will you step out boldly to speak forth what you're hearing, sensing, understanding from God? Will you look into the the courts of God and see what the Father is doing and announce it here on earth? I want to ask all who consider themselves to be prophetic men and women. I won't ask for a show of hands. I hope it'll be all of us. But especially those of you that know God uses you in the prophetic dimension. I want to put you on standby, on high alert, because we need to hear the word of the Lord. Not talking about our imaginations not talking simply about words that bring encouragement. I'm talking about the word of the Lord that is not vague, but precise. That is particular. The word that's crackling with life. The word that comes from the throne room. The word that, that goes deeper and takes us deeper. I want to put you on standby, men and women, to hear God. And ask him for details that we can lay hold of together. I think this year, if we want to be part of a gospel explosion, we can, as it were, hasten the activity of God by laying hold of his his heart and his purpose and by speaking about it and creating the framework into which God will be pleased to move. I'm not saying God can't do it however He wants. I'm just saying there's a pattern in the Scriptures. God moves to fulfill His Word. That's good news. The good news also is that we're baptized in the Spirit. Mark 1.8, He says, I've baptized you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark 1:10 says, "As soon as Jesus came out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending to him like a dove." The good news of Jesus begins with a prophetic word, but it also begins, look, in that very opening section, the good news, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that He will baptize us with the Spirit." Yeah. The gospel isn't the gospel unless it includes baptism in the Spirit. Mark 1 is a full gospel of deliverance and healing and and salvation and provision. Mark as a a whole is, is a full gospel picture. And you know, anything less, anything that's missing, anything that's left out, anything that's relegated is not the good news. The good news has to include all those things. We have to be baptized in the Spirit. But if we have the Spirit in all his fullness, then we have all we need. We often read from Acts chapters one and two, and and, and rightly so, because there's so much for us to, to glean from there. But when you read about the early church, you know the one thing you, you come away with they didn't have a complicated strategy. They were filled with the Spirit. They had all that they needed. When we present our plans and goals on the 20th of of, um, this month, Wednesday the 20th, a week on Wednesday, and we would really like a room this full, if not more, on Wednesday the 20th, we'd like you to make arrangements to get babysitters arranged, to do whatever is needed to be there, because we're going to be talking together to the church family about all that's coming up in the year. But... But just to say this, whatever plans, goals, dreams we may have, if we ain't filled with the Spirit, they're meaningless, powerless, valueless. I love the fact that Genesis 1, the story of creation, we looked at this a little bit this year, or rather, actually right at the beginning of Genesis 2, Genesis 2.2, 2, it says God finished the work of creation. Every everything needed for the next thousands and thousands of years was already there. God hasn't added to his creation since day six. By the end of day six, everything that was created and ever has been created was created. It was all there in seed form. The seed was there for the next generation of plants and trees. The seed was there for the next generation of animals and beasts. The seed was there for the beginning of the multiplication of the human race. It was all there in seed form. Nothing had to be added. And we look around the room this morning. It's good to do that. Have a good look. Everything for this year is here already. Albeit, much of it is in seed form. Much of it is in your heart. Much of it is in your spirit, but it's all here somewhere. God's not going to add to his creation. He's finished. He's waiting for us to fill it out, to reproduce what's already there. When we're saved, when we're baptized, when we're filled with the Spirit, the same Spirit that came to Jesus, when we're filled with the same Spirit... We have all that we need. The stage is set. The canvas is prepared. Nothing extra is needed. All of 2016 is here in seed form, friends. And the Holy Spirit will lead us and fill us and inspire us and empower us and go ahead of us and set up opportunities for us and introduce us to people and fill empty chairs. People filled with the Spirit. Acts 2 proves this. People filled with the Spirit soon draw a crowd. People filled with the Spirit soon draw a crowd. The good news is we're baptized in the Spirit, and uh, if this year is to be a year of gospel explosion, we will be very aware of the seed. We'll be very aware of the blessing. We'll be very aware of the commission. All those things are in Genesis 1, the seed, the blessing, the commission. It's all there. And we will put high priority on being and staying filled with the Spirit. Okay? The good news is, the kingdom has come. Jesus went to Galilee, verse 14, preaching the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. New Living Translation says, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is here. I love the fact that John preaches that um, the kingdom is coming and Jesus preaches that the kingdom has come. The order, the rule, the government, the dominion, the, the reign, the rule of God have come. And they couldn't have come at a better time. They couldn't have come a moment I'm not sure whether it's a moment too late or a moment too soon. The the kingdom of God has come at just the right time. The king has arrived. He has power over sickness. He has power over demons. He has power over arguments. He has power over death. The kingdom has come. The canvas is being filled. The gospel is exploding into life because the king has come. And it's here and now. and, And I'm sure you didn't miss the the little words that Mark uses that that keep this sort of sense of urgency in the foreground for us. Immediately, he says, he says that three or four times, in those days, as soon as, the time has come, as he was passing along, and then, and just then, and at once. What's Mark telling us? He's telling us there's no time to lose. People are dying for lack of a king and a kingdom. The good news is here and now and, and is to be preached and demonstrated and experienced as a matter of urgency. Yeah. Yes. Friends, we, we need to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. To share and to speak and to bless people, to invite people, to lay our hands on the sick yeah. more frequently. I don't know if I was to do a straw poll and say, you know, across the 300 and something people here this morning, how many of us offered to pray for someone who was sick this week, just gone? I'm not going to actually ask you, but I'm asking you. It wouldn't be enough. If I could say this, I would like us to get to this year to the place where every Sunday we've all done that in the preceding week. There's something ever so simple, it sounds crude, this, that the more we do it, the more results we'll see. We have got to give God something to work with. We all know people that need healing. We ought to come every week and say, yeah, I, I I prayed for somebody this week, I prayed for somebody this week, I prayed for somebody this week we'd soon begin to add up the number of times God answered our prayers. We need to be motivated, folks, by a a burning passion, a, a compassionate love for the lost, an overwhelming conviction that the good news of the kingdom is God's total answer to mankind's total need. And I think this year, if we want to be part of a gospel explosion we will know a fresh sense of urgency. There's no time to lose. Gosh, folks, the bad news should tell you that there's no time to lose in getting the good news out there. The bad news all around us should tell us there's no time to lose in ministering, preaching, sharing the good news that we have. People are lost, sick, overwhelmed, bound up, demon-possessed, diseased, hungry, thirsty, but the king has come and the kingdom has come and he has power over all of those things. The good news is worth your all. Have a look again at the, the way Jesus calls these disciples. Verse 17, follow me, Jesus told them. I like that. Didn't ask them. <laughs> Follow me, Jesus told them. And uh, I'll make you fish for people. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately, he called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men followed him. Do you know, in that moment, everything changed for those four young men. Their goals, their motivation, their priorities, their joys, their passions, their perspectives, everything changed in that moment. There are certain moments that really matter. Moments when you make a key decision or a a choice Moments when you meet someone who rocks your world. Moments when you could look back and stay in the past or you could look ahead and embrace the future. Moments that matter. Moments of destiny. And I believe many of us will face such moments this year where decisions and choices will have major repercussions. They're the what happens next moments. We must choose well in those moments. Choose to follow Christ. Choose to be with his people. Choose to embrace all he has for us. He's worth your all. Your everything, your wholehearted commitment. These disciples, if you note, know, were called whilst they were busy doing what they normally did. They weren't sort of um, waiting to be hired. No, right. Waiting for their big moment, you know, <laughs> despising the nets. Because really, you know, God has a bigger plan for my life. They weren't doing that. They were just busy doing what That's why he called them. Yeah, that's good. I think they're workers. Yeah. I think they're grafters. Yeah. I think they'll get on with things. Don't hang around waiting for your big, big glamorous moment. Just get stuck in where you are. Enjoy serving him where you are. The kingdom has come. And if we want to be part of a gospel explosion this year, we will embrace our mission together with a a fresh passion and vigor and commitment and give him our all. Do you know the good news is, your family really matters. Yeah. The good news is your family really matters. Chapter Verse 30 says, Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, and he, he took her by the hand, and he raised her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. It's great, isn't it? The first healing in the first gospel is Simon's mother-in-law. And it's a disciple's immediate family. And it puts family impact right in the heart of the good news. Your natural family really matters to God, to Jesus. Don't give up in your prayers for them. He loves them, he longs for them more than you could know. And this year, let's believe together for family members. To be saved and healed and, and drawn into the church family. Yes, yes. And you know, this spiritual family, this church family also really matters to God. That's right. I was reading um, early chapters of Genesis last week, and in Genesis 4, where um, Cain um, is cursed because of his, his murder, it says, God says, as part of the curse, I'm going to make you a restless wanderer. You know, wandering around is not a virtue. It's a curse. God doesn't want us wandering around without family, without spiritual connections, doing our own thing, being Lone Ranger Christians. God doesn't want that. That's not a virtue. God wants to join us to a family. And I just want to say, if, if you've been wandering but have found a family, get stuck in. Yeah. God wants you joined, stuck in, together. I think this year, if we want to be part of a gospel explosion, we will be praying for our families and we'll be seeing God do great things amongst them. You believe that? Amen. I love these messages. I haven't told you how many points I've got. You're all wondering, aren't you? It's single digits, okay? The next one is this. The The good news is, Powered by prayer. Amen. Yes. I guess you didn't miss that. After all that activity, well, in between all that activity and all that activity, Jesus is found, while it's still dark, early in the morning, up on his way to a deserted place and he's praying there. We have many strengths in this church but we also have areas that need strengthening and prayer is one of them we don't always rush to gather for prayer there's a holding back sometimes there's a a greater urgency about other things we're keener to arrange babysitters for social events and that's not right that's not part of the gospel explosion. The social events are fine. There's nothing against those. But what we don't see on this canvas that Mark's about to paint for us is a lack of prayer. When you read about the early church in Acts 2, the church of miracle, sign and wonder, the church that had favour with the community, the church that was devoted to sound doctrine, the church where there was awe, the church where people were saved and added every day, you find they were devoted to prayer. And I just simply want to say this year, if we want to be part of a gospel explosion, prayer must become an even greater passion, burden, and priority for us than ever before. I'm sure you will all pray with me and say amen yeah. to that. The good news is for all the villagers. Isn't that great? That uh, just, just after um, Simon comes to find Jesus and he's praying and he says... He says, "Lord, there, um, uh, everybody's looking for you." And he says, "Yep, let's go to the next place." <laughs> let's move on." He said, "Let's go on to the neighboring villages, or the nearby villages or the other towns, so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come." Um, this is really significant. Jesus um, commands us to love our neighbour as ourselves, but also we have to have a love for our neighbouring villages, towns, other places. Jesus came for the other places. His gospel was for the whole world. It goes on to say, so he went into all of Galilee. He was a man on a on a mission to this whole region. And um, that means for us, folks, we, we can never be static. We can never, uh, want, you can never think we've, we've, we've gone as far as we can go. We're here to go into all the towns and villages. Yeah, uh, right. uh, and that mission has, years later, has only just begun. Yeah. This year, we are very specifically going to be extending our reach into Colville and the villages around that northwest Leicestershire area. This year we've got good news for the place where you live and the place next door. I'm going to ask for us to pray at the end for certain specific things around that. The the gospel is, is the good news of all the kingdom for all the people to deal with all their sin and all their sicknesses in all the towns and villages. And this year, if we want to be part of a gospel explosion, we've got to paint some more towns and villages onto the canvas that's telling our story. Nearly done. The good news is, Jesus is willing. Did you, did you, did you, did something rise in you when we read that? The, the, le- the man with the, with the leprous skin condition comes to him and, and he comes on his knees and he begs him and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And it's almost as if Jesus says, you don't need to beg. I am willing. Yeah. And, um, and Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. Or rather I should say. Moved with compassion, verse 41. Jesus reached out his hand, touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Church, let's be of no doubt whatsoever. Jesus is willing to heal, to cleanse, to set people free, to save people. Jesus is moved with compassion, even when we're not He's more than willing. And he wants to help and get involved and and come alongside people because he wants his kingdom to come. He's willing to heal your mother-in-law. He's willing to save your prodigal son or prodigal daughter. He's willing to move with power through Hinckley and through Tamworth. Here in Stony Stanton and in in Colville and in Market Harbour, Jesus is willing to move with power because that's what he's here for. That's why I came. Don't lock me into something smaller than I came for. Don't keep me here in this place. I came for all of Galilee. He's not reluctant. He's not holding back. He's, He's waiting for us. He's not waiting for us to get our prayers and our words just right. Jesus doesn't respond to accurate wording. He responds to moved hearts and faith. And this year, if we want to be part of a gospel explosion, let's be brimming with confidence concerning the Lord's willingness to heal and save and set free and restore people here, there, and everywhere. Finally, the good news is, really good news, just look at the, the last few words of that chapter. He's, 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 because this man didn't do what he asked him, or what he sternly warned him not to say anything yet, because as soon as this man says something, it means Jesus can no longer move around freely, he has to stay in, in deserted places, but the last few words say, and they would come to him from everywhere. I hope you heard what was happening in Mark 1, I hope, you, I hope you saw what was being painted onto the canvas. Verse 5 says, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to John. What was his message? Repent. And believe the good news. And people flocked to him. Verse 33, the whole town assembled at the door. Verse 45, they would come to him from everywhere. People were flocking to Jesus because he really is good news. The gospel really is good news. Jesus went to Galilee preaching the good news of God. Repent and believe the good news. You see, repent and good news are in the same sentence. Yeah, that's right. Our message is not negative. Right. It's not unattractive. Right. It's not downbeat. It's not regressive. It's not old-fashioned. No. To repent is the best thing ever. Yes. It's to embrace good news. The gospel is good news that's attractive and appealing and contagious... And spreading when it's presented authentically by followers of Jesus who are filled with His Spirit. When it comes with sign and wonder and power as it should do. The Holy Spirit will never make you weird. The Holy Spirit will never help you become more religious. The Holy Spirit will never turn you into a flaky Christian. The Holy Spirit will fill you with divine life and make you the most attractive people on your street. When people are filled with the Holy Spirit, a crowd gathers. Be you. Be brimming with confidence. What you've got is really good news. In chapter 3, it says, the great multitude came to him because they heard everything he was doing. They heard about him. This year, we've got to make sure people hear about him. We do okay, but there's so much more for us to do. Telling people that Jesus is good news. This year, if we want to be part of a gospel explosion we've got to go like there is no tomorrow and give like we won't run out and we will grow like never before as I um, think about this new year it it lays before us as it were um, unoccupied unfilled as yet unfulfilled a bit like that blank page at the start of this good news but it's destined to be a year of favour with numerous yet to happen miracles with amazing things waiting to happen friends we have all that we need 2016 is already here in speed form We lack nothing. It's already conceived in the heart and mind of God. And the Holy Spirit is is waiting to bring it all into action. Isn't that a glorious thought? Let's paint the canvas this year. Let's tell the story. Let's set to work with faith and with vigor and with confidence and boldness brimming over with the good news that we carry. Let's make sure this new year is a year of gospel explosion. An explosion of abundant life, of of miracle and breakthrough and and the life of power of God in all our towns and villages. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you. You are all we need. And Lord, in a sense, we're all you need. You've done it all and you've left everything now in our hands. I want to pray, Lord, that this year will be a year in which we paint and fill in That blank canvas with life, with color, with story, with testimony, with numerous salvations and healings and deliverances and and moments that matter, Lord, that we'll fill the canvas just as you've planned for us. Lord, that nothing that's already conceived in your heart for us this year, nothing will fall to the ground, but we'll lay hold of all of those things. I want to pray, Lord, that we will be faithful to give you our all this year. Yeah. And to find, Lord, that you open doors for us, you go ahead of us, you fill us with your spirit and you make all these things possible. I want to thank you, Lord, this morning that the blank canvas plus the omnipotent God yeah. sets us up, the stage is set, Lord, for the greatest year of our lives and we give you thanks in advance lord for all that you want to do amen. amen thanks for listening today for more information about living rock church and for more great teaching visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk